we as young adults or individuals that maybe don't have that support, we think we know everything. If there's anything that I can really throw out there, whoever is in this situation of like, you know, this struggle is real, reach out. That is the hardest thing that I had to do. Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life explores the stories of real people who've navigated their way out of life's toughest situations, emerging with greater strength and resilience. If these stories remind you of your own journey and you or someone you know need help, our collective journey is here for you. Whenever you're ready to take that next step, reach out to us at ourcollectivejourney.ca. Hey, here we are back in the Plugged In Media studio, another episode of From Darkness to Life. I am your host this season, Ryan, and once again, just want to thank all the listeners for uh, tuning in. It's baffling. Dave and I look at the analytics every week and... Yeah, it's it's amazing how many people are actually tuning in and downloading and listening to our to our show. And uh, yeah, it, it, that's the whole point of the show, right? Is is getting the message out there, getting all these stories out there, normalizing these conversations, and um, hopefully the episodes hit the ears that really need to hit them and uh, or need to hear them. And with that, you know, open that door for somebody to to take that first step to reaching out for help, knowing that you're not alone in this. There's hundreds, thousands, thousands upon thousands of people out there struggling with these same obstacles in their lives. And I can speak from my experience that I thought, you know, early on that I was the only one going through this and nobody's ever going to understand me and nobody's ever going to know what I'm going through. And I just, it, it seems like such a dark spot. So, you know, that's the whole purpose of this podcast is normalize these conversations and, and, uh, it's, it's fantastic. The feedback we're getting and the people reaching out. So yeah, just keep please sharing the, the shows, share the links, share the social media, just share the shit out of it because there's a lot of people out there struggling. Uh, speaking of social media, check out our, well, it's not new anymore. I've been plugging this for weeks now, our, our Instagram page at FDTL podcast um, kind of shows where we're at, what we've done and what's coming up ahead. Uh, give a little shout out to our marketing lady Alana in Calgary who's running that now she's doing a fantastic job and with that um I'm joined with somebody in studio today this is nice sometimes we get zoom guests sometimes we get uh in-person guests and I prefer in person but what do you do right logistics kind of hamper that sometimes but today we're I'm very grateful to have our guest in studio somebody I've known for a number of years now um we managed to cross paths I'd say roughly three years ago or a little more than three years ago. And it's one of those things that, you know, you kind of get put in people's place or in people's paths at the right time and they cross your path at the right time. And, and I feel very fortunate today that I met this lovely individual when she showed up here in our local community of Medicine Hat. And, uh, you know, we're going to get into her story, get into what brought her here today. And, and she has just a remarkable story of, you know, from darkness to life exactly what the what the show is called right and this is a shining example of what what is possible if you uh put your mind to change and uh you just get tired of being sick and tired and you want a different life and this lady um is a fantastic example of that and i can't i'm so excited to have her in the studio today to share with our listeners and like i said miss shay i'm very grateful that we crossed paths years ago and uh it's amazing to see where you're at today compared to the first day i met you 
I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for taking time out of your schedule. I know you're in and out of camp. You're working now and you're, you know, yeah. you have this brief stint at home and you've. It's crazy yeah. how things have changed. I mean, I came to Medicine Hat actually November 30th, I think 2020. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's been a ripple effect since, but I know like, um, there were some key people in my life when I first came into Medicine Hat. Um, I didn't realize how broken I was. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just literally living in a bubble. I was in my own world for so many years. Um, by the time I came through the other side, um, I definitely, that was God, by the grace of God. That was not me, I, 100%. And, you know, um, you were one of the key people. There's a few other people, you know, I, I don't know if I should, you know, call their names out or not, but they know, you know, they know who they, they are. know who they are. Exactly. And it was like, you know, everything comes in threes with me. And there was three people in my life in that, in that most desperate moment that opened doors for me mm. that I didn't even have a clue that yeah. were going to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know where to start. Like, I, I remember ha- sitting down with you. It was pretty early on. I think I met you sometime in January. Like, it was pretty pretty early in the, in, mm-hmm. in, in the beginning of the year. I remember that first yeah. coffee. And, you know, I, I can't help but go back to, you know, this ripple effect that happens. You know, like, I spent close to 10 years on the river. And that's where my my addiction took me. Yeah. And you know, I you know I know that we are supposed to carry experience, strength, and hope. But I definitely, um, you know, without trying to, um, you know, promote as you know we discussed before, uh, recovery saved my life. And my my journey is all all about recovery. Absolutely. You know, I live in a totally different mindset, mind frame. I never thought that I would be where I'm at today. And, you know, that's not, you know, that wasn't because I did it alone, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that for a lot of us that suffer in those, in those places in our lives, we end up in a very isolated, you know, environment. You sure. know, and it's the people, the places, the things. And you just get into this place where you can't, um, you get stuck, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, I mean, you don't even have to have addictions. Mm-hmm. Life sometimes just not knowing how to manage and and, and cope with your emotions will put you in a place of peril, you know, and and it it does not discriminate. It comes from all walks of life, you know, and for me, I mean, growing up, there was a lot of um, alcoholism in my family. Um, I come from a very big family. I mean, I have 10 aunts and uncles. I have 81 first cousins, no like shit. a really big family, right? <laughs> so there was always stuff going on, but the glue is my grandparents. Mm. But just as I've learned through the process of recovery and how to learn life on life's terms and, you know, manage and cope with emotions and, you know, actually lick, like work and solution. I didn't know what any of that meant. No, for and sure. no freaking clue. I. You know, I mean, I just lived everything on, on my terms. Yep. I didn't even know that I was living like that. It just, that's what I thought life was. And, you know, just pick up and do what you need to do and get things done. Right. But, you know, going back, like as far as like just childhood, mm-hmm. It's taken, um, well, I've been in recovery now three years. Amazing. I know. I just like, <laughs> I'm like, and it's just crazy how so much has changed. Right. But I do know, like, you know, 
I didn't, there was abuse, obviously, there was some other stuff going on there, and I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of it, you know. If you were to talk to me a year ago, I would have been spewing verbal diarrhea, because I didn't know how to manage the emotions, right? But I do know, like, looking back at how things could have, might have, may have, you know, impacted me as a child, I now understand that these were behaviors that were happening way before addiction. Yeah. I didn't recognize that. How could I? I didn't know to look for that. Absolutely. You know, and I think that, you know, being in recovery, it taught me to look from within. Yeah. And, you know, see what part I played in it. And, you know, by the grace of God, I stayed stuck. I I got to that desperate part so much that I didn't even know that I was open and willing. I just knew I didn't want to go back through the For stuff sure. that I went through. But, you know, it's, you know, you go back and you look at stuff like that and you, you reflect. Um, whereas before I was dwelling. Yeah. You know, it's everybody's fault. Huge difference. That you, night and day, you mm-hmm. know, like any kind of institution or any kind of formality that, you know, had authoritative roles of, of figures, I was completely like, you know, totally against. And, and I now see why. Yeah. But at that time, I knew what I needed, but I wasn't listening. Mm-hmm. You know, so the times where, you know, throughout my journey of, you know, being in, in that kind of environment, I know something for myself was that um, there was lots of help around there. And the times that I actually did get connected, because I fell through the crack quite like throughout my my life. Right. You know, anytime I reached out, which is something I did all my life, I wasn't connecting. And the few times that I did connect, I didn't recognize that they were there to help, but I wanted to do things my way because mm-hmm. I figured I knew wow. what was best for me. What a common thread for right? so many of us, right? Exactly. And so I see that now, but it took all this work and, you know, commitment to recovery for me to be able to talk about these things today. Because like I said, I didn't realize how broken I was when yeah. I came in. I just knew that I didn't want, I wanted to live another way. Mm-hmm. And so I was willing to do whatever it took. And I took the suggestions. I took, you know, I took everything that I was supposed to do and applied everything in my soul to it. And I do truly believe now that that happened because set aside the desperation part, but I didn't want to be alone anymore. Mm -hmm. I didn't trust people. Um, you know, you go through these things in life where, you know, people hurt you or you're traumatized or you have people that, um, you know, just, it's kind of like the blame game and you're you're projecting. And then all of a sudden you come into an environment where everything's safe and loving and caring and you're like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) That's weird. It is weird (laughs) because, you know, it's just, it's not normal to you, right? And it's a common thread for people to say like, I'm normal and everybody in here is nuts. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what do you got to lose? Yeah. That's the thing. Like, you know, you can continue that repetition in life, you know, and how's that working out for you? You know, you're living on a, on a, on a, on a, you know, a riverbank in the tent in minus 30. That's not quality of life. And, you know, that's where it came to a place. And, you know, I am spiritual, but I do have a belief in God and that, you know, has never, ever um, been, you know, attested Uh, somewhere along the line as a child, you know, it was just developed, but I was given the free ability to find and seek. 
mm-hmm. wasn't talked about. But I do know that, you know, looking back through all the things that I went through throughout the addiction, there was always these moments that, you know, recovery people will say aha moments. For sure. Right? And I never, I couldn't figure that term out for a while. But after a while of being in recovery, what was starting to happen is things were starting to, you know, people that, you you see and hear and that have wisdom with the wisdom and that are carrying messages. <clears throat> it started resonating. Mm-hmm. It's that similarities that you know we talk about amongst each other, right? <clears throat> so it, you know it, that this is this is a way of God, like just throwing down gift after mm-hmm. gift after gift, you know. <clears throat> and so for me, I started seeing the 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 associations with things. And what started happening is, you know, instead of me dwelling, I started reflecting. Yeah. It took a lot of work. Like outside of my recovery, I had to see a psychologist. I had to, you know, um, I was very close knit with a few people. I didn't really move out of my realm of comfort um, for probably a year and a half, almost two years. But once I started to break that cycle and I started to actually... Um, start getting out there and putting myself out there and starting to trust, things just opened up. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I recall sitting down with you, like when I first came into Medicine Hat, and I, I will never forget this. I had lost so much hope. And I did not trust anyone. And God, he sent me a little dog. <laughs> and I, re- I know you know this, this, this story <laughs> and I want to share it because it's Please so do. potent, right? Like, I'm on a riverbed and I'm in a tent. It's minus 35 and I gave up. I didn't have water. I didn't have food. I didn't have, you know, substances. I was just sitting there waiting to die. And this freaking little chihuahua comes running into my tent. And, you know, I'm not going to get into the details of where the dog came from. He just appeared. You know, and I, I, I called him, um, what the heck did I call him? Snap Snaps. <laughs> that's exactly what I ended up naming this dog because he bit the shit out of my feet. My toes <laughs> underneath in this, this sleeping bag for like three days before he finally broke and he knew he could trust me. Yeah. I had no compassion for people in this world at that point, but I still had compassion for animals. God knew that. And that was a message. That was a mm. gift. That was a moment of, you know, that aha moment. Yeah. I didn't grasp that at that moment. I'm sitting there dying on a riverbed, yet I get up, I get dressed, I put a dog in a backpack, and I go uptown to a Safeway, and I start panhandling to save this dog from starving. Wow. You know, and I'll tell you, Mm -hmm. that was a humbling experience for me because I obviously went to the river because I was so shameful and so much guilt that I wanted to hide from the world. It's not even about isolation. You just have now removed yourself from society at that point mm-hmm. and you can't function anymore. Wow. You know, it's just, the, that's the reality of it. And I remember sitting there and I was humbled because I was, I felt so humiliated to have to panhandle, but yet I was doing it because I wanted to save a dog's life. Wow. You know, and this, this, it just, the, the food came in abundance. That dog got more food than I did. And it was just like a ripple effect. People started coming. I mean, I even had a lady give me a dog ball, a collar, a leash, a little jacket for booties for the dog. And then she handed me a $50 bill. And I'm thinking in my mind, like, and I actually vocalized it to her. I said, lady, you're giving me 50 bucks here. And she goes, I don't give a shit what you do with it. She goes, feed the dog and get yourself something to eat. Wow. 
that like it, it that, like I get goosebumps talking about it because mm-hmm. the reality of it is is that we as you know active addicts when we're out in society um I was just talking to you about this yesterday we don't look at people For sure. we're looking down and you know anybody that looks at them that actually looks at them as a human being they can see that pain yeah they can see their eyes are, it doesn't matter if if they're intact mentally or not if you take that time to see that they need to know that they're loved. Mm-hmm. That's why there's all these people in the communities that go out and feed them that spend all that time and resource, like bags of food and, you know, blankets and um, people that come out and pray and ask them, like, can I pray for you? I don't know how many times that people would approach me for that. And I always said yes, because it was that little bit of connection yeah. for that moment that somebody cared about me. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And that stuff is powerful shit. Mm-hmm. But it still, you know, wasn't enough for me. Yeah. And, you know, what ended up happening with that dog is I met a man that had a friend that was a vet. Next thing you know, his wife comes up and she happened to be a program worker for a youth um, um, center that helped homeless children or teens, whatever. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, she's there. I got a blanket, a, a, a mitts, hat, scarf, like, like I was suited up. Yeah. And, you know, they took the dog. And down the road, um, I kept contact once I came into recovery just to let them know, you know, I'm grateful for what you guys did that day. Like, it changed everything. Mm-hmm. It didn't do it right away, but it did change things. For and, sure. you know, I'll tell you that, you know, that lady, the, the dog's owner, they were reunited. Wow. Like, that doesn't happen, man. No, no, for sure. You know, so, I mean, the moral of the story is there, there started that ripple effect, and it took a lot longer, but that was just the beginning. You know, I ended up in another place mm-hmm. off the river, and it was just absolute, like, chaos. Right. And I think that at that point, um, I had beaten myself enough and sabotaged myself enough. I couldn't die. Yeah. No matter how many times I tried. And, you know, one thing I want to clarify about that, nobody wants to die. Mm-hmm. We just don't want the life that we're living because there's no quality in it and yeah. we don't know how to get out. I think that's a big piece to to put an emphasis on, right? Because I know when For I was sure in that, is. moments at the end of my journey of addiction, right? And I was going to take my life and, and completely was committed to it. It wasn't because I wanted to die. Exactly. It was because I just didn't know any way out and I didn't want to hurt anybody else any longer. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, a hundred thousand percent, you know, and that, that is something I really like emphasize on because, you know, nobody wakes up and says, Hey, I want to be an addict or an alcoholic Ooh, today. Good you know? times. Right. And, and, and that's, the, For sure. it just, and it does not discriminate. It mm-hmm. takes everybody. I've seen all walks of life, all yeah. ages, it, you know, it, it is what it is, but that ripple effect I don't know what happened, but I just know that moving off the river into another chaotic situation, I just, uh, I had a bit of a journey there. And I just remember um, another individual that just came through that had no clue who I was. He was scared shitless of me. I was sitting on a doorstep. It was winter. I had no jacket, no shoes, nothing. And he's trying to get me to scoot off his doorstep. But, you know, I'm waiting for these people downstairs so he can get what I have for my, you know, life belongings. And he slowly, like, come out. And then it was like, don't you have anywhere to go? Like, can't you call anybody? I'm like, no, no, no. Because I didn't have anybody. 
I moved to a different city where nobody knew me. Yeah. Right. And so the moral of that story there is that he brought me hot chocolate and then he'd come back out and do a check. And then it, it turned into like, okay, well, here's a blanket for underneath you because you're sitting on concrete. Then yeah. to another blanket. And then, you know, it just, the ball kept rolling where I ended up sitting in the staircase and there was a heater so I could warm up. Yes. And it's like he was inching towards me, but he was so fearful, right? <laughs> like, I mean, he's just, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't you be? Absolutely. And I think that's a lot of the misconception with the general public is when they see somebody destitute and out on the street, exactly. we're terrified of them. Exactly. And so long story short, I ended up staying on his couch overnight. And that next morning I woke up, you know, and in between that moment, I there was a moment of like pure understanding that I was done. Mm -hmm. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't get out of this. And I, I just remember saying vocally outside, it, this is enough. Enough is enough. Yeah. And that's what started it. <clears throat> and so I spent four days at that man's house and uh, waiting to get into a detox. I called and this man, he didn't know me from nowhere. He drove me 200 miles to a detox. Wow. And that was the beginning. And so it just kind of was a ripple effect. And I ended up in Tabor in a safe house. And then I ended up seeing a psychologist that happened to be from Medicine Hat that took her studies in Medicine Hat College. And it was suggested, you know, this is a great community. This is the place you want to be if you want recovery, if you want to rebuild your life and you want the support. And I came here with nobody. Mm -hmm. I changed everything without even knowing I changed everything. Wow. I just knew that where I was, I couldn't get away from it. Yeah. And so this is how I came to resonate. Unreal. It's a ripple effect. And you don't even know you're doing the work. Because mm -hmm, at sure. that point, you got no comprehension of how things work. Yeah. You know, so if that's not God leading you by the hand, you know, and, you know, everybody has their own philosophy or their own beliefs, and I don't push that on anybody. Right. But I do know now, looking back at those moments, those are Godsmack moments. Those are the promises that are, you know, you, you know, that we speak of in our recovery. And, you know, it goes on and on and on. But that, for me, is how I ended up in Medicine Hat. And then I met a caseworker. Mm -hmm. And that caseworker introduced me to um, a, a person that ended up being a sponsor. And that person um, that, it, you know, chose to introduce me to the lady that I had my first meeting with. Um, he also reached out to you and that's how you and I met. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I recall just, you know, just having conversations with you Yeah. and that's all we do is just have coffee and hour of your time. And we did that frequently. Yeah. And it was, it was just, sorry to interrupt. It was amazing how the timing was so right. And you mentioned this before the show yeah. started, right? Cause at that time I was a crisis worker and I, in yeah. order to be connected to somebody through my employment, they had yeah. to be in crisis Well, you were on your early path to recovery, you yeah. crisis was averted, right? You things weren't going smooth yet, but the crisis was kind of behind you. Yeah. So I had no professional reason to be connected to you, right? Yeah. We got connected outside of work, right? Through our acquaintance that you mentioned earlier, he's yeah. wise enough to know that hey, this is just a coffee. I want you to meet somebody. It's not somebody you need to work with. So, and that's exactly where the threes come from totally. for me. And you know, everything with me, my entire life, everything comes in threes. Yeah, good or the bad, it <clears throat> always comes in threes. And that's you know, this was my foundation. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know, and I'm not trying to like pet your ego or anything, but with you and the the two others. 
and they know who they are. Without you guys, I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing today. And I get emotional about that because, you know, my recovery has taught me how to live life on life's terms. It's taught me how to manage and cope with emotions. Mm -hmm. The people that have been so close to me and so connected to me and watched me grow up in this program have guided me and, 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 you know, the love that they gave, the unconditional love and patience and tolerance that they have given me, if it wasn't for their support, I, I know I wouldn't be able to do it on my own. Right. And my eyes swell up because the reality of it is, is that today I live a life of peace and serenity. Mm. I know how to work in solution. Yeah. I know how to give back to my community. Um, you know, material things, they're part of life, but none of that means shit if you don't have your, your yeah. mental, emotional, and physical well-being. For sure. And, you know, for most of us that have lived in that, that life of suffering and all that pain, it doesn't have to have an yeah. addiction attached to it. It's so true. You know, and, and that's the biggest thing. And, you know, something that you guys are doing here is you're, you know, you're opening a bridge for all walks of life, mm-hmm. you know. And if there's one thing that I know from my personal experience and journey in, in that realm of my life, that part of my life, the judgment, the judgment is what makes people hide and run yeah. and, and remove themselves. Um, you know, we might act like we don't care, but we're on survival mode and mm-hmm. only the fit survive out there. Isn't that the truth? And so you, you, you strip all that away and, and you take the time and the effort to connect. That's all that a person needs and the consistency of, you know, showing up yep. and, 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 and letting them know that, hey, I'm still here, you know, because that's the unfortunate part of addiction is that you can't help someone until they, 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 they're ready. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest pieces that, you know, is, is the misconception. Once again, there's so many misconceptions around addiction and this topic, but I think based on the feedback we get from parents, loved ones, concerned individuals that phone or contact us, like, how am I going to get this person to do this? You can't. You can't. You can't. Man. Right? If they, you could do it, you wouldn't have to phone to say how. Exactly. Right? It, it's... There is no recipe for it. Unfortunately, the reality of it is that until that person becomes so desperate that they are willing to go to any length to change everything Mm -hmm. about their life. Well, a lot of people think they're ready, right? Like I know I go back to my own experience. I thought I was ready to change my relationship. Well, I knew I was with substance, with drugs, with the powder I was using daily. But I still didn't think I had a problem with alcohol. So I was ready to change a piece of it, but I'm going to take this piece with me still. And and I'm not going to change this behavior because I kind of like that one still and these things, right? So I wasn't completely ready. And where did that lead me? Six months later, I'm right back to square one, complete full-blown active addiction again. And you know what you're saying about that? I'm laughing at you because I'll tell you, like, I mean... I thought I, I, I licked my, my, my alcoholism because I just switched over to a new cocktail, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I was like three months working with my sponsor and she asked me 
three questions or maybe even two just you know to kind of see like okay you know like do you think you're an alcoholic or not i was in denial my entire life mm-hmm. and i figured i looked it but the reality of it is i just moved over to something else because i was threatened with my livelihood that if i didn't quit drinking that you totally. know and so i was just like okay i'll show you I, I i can quit Absolutely. but i moved into a different era of stuff for sure and i have a very similar experience in my story of addiction as well because you know i checked all the boxes for addiction because it's not about the substance it's about the addiction right the disease of addiction so i was into i took steroids for a while years ago i I was into that i was into the vanity of getting huge and all these things right and then i got into gambling online sports gambling and then i found cocaine yeah and when i found that people were like oh man how did you beat your gambling addiction i said well i started using cocaine and i couldn't afford to gamble anymore (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, I don't recommend that, right? But that's how I quit gambling. Right. And it's the same type of story, right? It, it exactly. just shifted from one substance or one exactly. behavior to the next to the next. And it exactly. reared its ugly head in every facet of my life. Well, I know for me, like, that that uh, conversation that day, um, I was like, wow, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and it was like, I'm 48 years old and I'm finally admitting that I have a problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the history of my family. There was alcoholism in there. Right. I, most, like, my family is either alcoholics or they're recovering alcoholics. Yeah. There's no in between. And the <laughs> ones that are recovering alcoholics, they moved away. Yeah. Right? And they come in in bits and pieces, bits and pieces, you yeah. know? So, I mean, it took me that many years to just say, holy crap, you know? So, I mean, this is, this is a disease that does, like I said, it does not discriminate. For sure. And, you know, the longer you stay in denial, the longer it's going to take you to, you know, change shit up. It's amazing how, you know, there's so many, your story is way different than my story, but there's a lot of common threads in all of our stories, right? And that piece around alcoholism was such a a resonating piece for me when you were speaking about it just now, because I went for so long thinking, man, I don't have a problem with alcohol. Exactly. Like, I don't drink daily, but when I drink, I... I don't know when it's shutting off. I will drink forever. And the problems it causes, I'm oblivious to them at the time. But when I started to really look at that piece around alcohol, this was the second time into treatment when I completely blew my life up. My therapist said, well, let's really do a thorough, and I'm going to speak from my experience here. The program I went to, the the recovery center was a 12-step based program. So we're doing step four and five, right? The fearless moral inventory. Yeah. And, and he explained it really well to me. And he was also a gentleman who had 20 plus years in a program himself. So he explained it well to me. And when I did that thorough step four and then sat with him and he helped me with my step five, every single thing, I'd say 99.9% of the turmoil in my life from the time I was 14 till I was 40 revolved around alcohol, whether it was getting, using, coming down off it, all the nonsense and all the chaos was created around alcohol. And then he's like, still don't think you have a problem with alcohol. Yeah. I see. I didn't even have to get that far. Right. I didn't even have to get that far. I think I got to question two or three with my, with my sponsor. And I was just like, okay. And she just smiled at me, you know? Well, I think that's a piece for any listeners that are listening that, you know, we're not promoting 12 step or the steps or, or anything, right? This is just recovery talk that we're talking about. And that message is, to take a hard, long look at our track record and see where those substances, see where that fits in to see if you think you might have a problem with this substance. And I guarantee if you're anything like I was, the light bulb starts to come on and you're like, yep, 
oh yeah, that had alcohol involved. That had this involved. You know, I like that you touched on that because here's the reality of it. And a lot of people don't want to admit this when they're in active use. Nobody wants to look at their shit Mm -hmm. because that means they have to own it. And as, you know, as, you know, as this disease is, you know, active, um, that's the last thing we're doing Mm -hmm. because we're escaping, you know? And so, you know, when you start seeing this stuff, I know like when I did my step four, um, I was so messed up mentally and emotionally. I had to work backwards from the most recent to the past because I had stuff for so many years. I thought I had lost memories Mm -hmm. of like years and I I couldn't figure out why. I just knew there was a chunk of my life that was gone and I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. Well, that was part of, you know, uh, a growth for me throughout my recovery as I started getting healthier mentally, emotionally, physically, and things started surfacing, mm-hmm. you know, and we talk about traumas, you know, um, traumas can create a lot of problems for people that, you know, if they don't deal with it, they'll surface down later in life. Absolutely. And again, you don't have to be an active use of alcohol or substances. I mean, just, you know, trying to cope and manage with these things on your own. Um, I don't recommend it. For sure. I don't recommend it. But I know that once I started healing mentally and physically and my body was getting healthier things were surfacing and you know I'm very fortunate and I don't know how this happened or why but I think because I have really worked on my spirituality within myself Mm -hmm. it's helped me understand that when these things are surfacing this is my higher power telling me it's time to start letting these things go because when we stuff they are so embedded and so ingrained in our bodies, physically, mentally, emotionally. Like, you know, like sometimes these pains and aches in our bodies, this is our body telling Absolutely. us that, you know, mm-hmm. we got to release this stuff, but For we sure. don't know how. Yep. You know, but yeah, it's just, um, I know today I can honestly say that I, I know there's more work to do. I know that, you know, for me, um, or anybody, you just got to believe. And if you can't believe, reach out. Yeah. Because there are so many people in this community for so many different things, you know. And I know that, you know, OCGA is is one of the, the places where, I mean, if there isn't, if there isn't a light of hope here, I, I, I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> like, I, like, I've never seen so many people take care of others so um, much with so much love and compassion and, 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 and there's no, there's no agenda, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, I've lived and dealt with people all my life that, you know, there's always a catch. Yeah. There's always, and you know, that's not the way I want to live. Right. You know, I, I, I just... Yeah, it's it's one of those things that, you know, I know that if you would have talked to me a year ago to two years ago, um, I wasn't ready, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and I know we talked about this as as early as last year. Yeah. You know, you were going to come on the show, this and that, and then work happened and you went out of town and we yeah. lined up guests and then things happened internally here and yeah, it just wasn't the right time. 
Wow. And I look at it now, right? And we talked about this yesterday. Yes. That, yeah. You know. Isn't it funny how, yeah. you know, the timing. And, and I think that, you know, um, for anybody that, you know, has um, issues or isn't quite um, in that place where they have uh, the ability to trust, if there's one thing I've learned is to trust the process in yeah. life. As soon as you get out of the way, mm. and, you know, it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. Because mm-hmm. I know now, looking back on where I've been, you know, I, and, you know, just doing a quick flashback of my life, I had so many things in my life that were good. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I was very successful in a lot of my businesses, you know, through partnership and whatever relationships that, you know, I didn't, nothing was taken away from me to a point where it's completely desolate and desperate. So I always had that ability like, to, to get back up and start over and get back up and start over. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's, this disease is a progression, you Absolutely. know, and, you know, I didn't understand what that meant, but I learned it. Mm-hmm. As I stayed stuck, as I, you know, took a, a different path. I think that, you know, I can only speak for myself personally. Um, I knew everything. And I now know that when you're a know-it-all, um, you close your mind. Mm-hmm. You're close-minded. So how can you have growth? How can you, you know... Um, even be given opportunity if you're not willing to be open-minded. Yeah. I think fear is one of the things that really um, challenges people. And I mean, that's a multitude, that's a whole different topic, but I just know that I didn't get here on my own. Mm -hmm. I know that there was higher purpose. I know that I was driven um, I, you know, we all have our own journeys, but I do believe that by the grace of God, he gave me a second chance at life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I stopped being at the know-it-all. I stopped trying to um, control everything. And I stopped, well, I shouldn't say stop, but I started to learn how to let go of the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> right? right. You know, and it's just, it's it's a ripple effect. For sure. It's It's like... Everything that you learn, and I don't want to say negative, but a majority of, you know, that environment, it's all hostile. Mm -hmm. And then you come out of that. And if you take that opportunity to at least have an open mind with what's there for you, um, the the potential and the growth and the opportunities and things that can happen in your life, it's like night and day. But it, you got to work for it because, yeah. you know, it's it's like that saying that, you know, I hear often now, I can only do as much work as you're willing to do because mm-hmm. it's your life. That's and if you, one. and you know, that thing, that, that alone, it's that fear right there. If like, you know, you may not even know you're thinking it. It could be subconscious, <laughs> but, you know, maybe I can't make it. What if I can't like, mm-hmm. you know, and it. it a lot of the times we're not conscientious of that stuff going on. Yeah, for sure. But again, I mean, you got to start somewhere. Absolutely. You know, and so. I know we touched on this yesterday. Fear is a huge topic when we discuss change, when we discuss, you know, going from what we used to know into the unknown. 
We want a different quality of life, but it's terrifying because we don't know what's on the other side of that and how long that can keep an individual out there stuck, right? That, that fear and that dread of, holy shit, this is terrifying. Well, you think about this, okay? Um, anybody that has ever touched, whether they've come in and, and, and went back out, um, even our, our society as a whole, if you tell somebody you have to change everything in order to f- have things, you know, be better, they'll look at you like, "What are you talking about?" Like that—that's that's scary stuff. Because changing everything, like I mean, I remember when I, I, years back in 2013, I, I went to recovery once, and uh, I did my 41 days, and I marveled out, and I, you know, had all these people around me, and then had this little posse for a year that we all just went to meetings and. <clears throat> You know, and I remember one of the counselors saying there, like, listen, you know, maybe one out of 11 of you will make it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, whatever. I had friends, man. I, I, but yeah. I was there for the wrong reasons, too, right? Yeah. However, you know, in that time, what I found is that people were dropping, 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 dropping. But we, we, weren't, we weren't listening, mm-hmm. you know. And I think at the end of the day, Nothing can be more fearful. And not, I mean, you look at where you at are at in your life and all that, that chaos. <clears throat> Nobody wants to live like that. A lot of us learn to adapt. Some of us have been born into that. It's all walks of life. But the one thing that I really want to stress with that regard is that you don't have to live like that. Mm. For sure, you don't have to live like that, and that fear of not the unknown. And I had a, I had, I had one particular individual tell me that, and he actually wrote it in one of my books. But that fear of the unknown, it's you know now I resonate with that. I didn't have a clue what that meant, but I'm not scared of shit back then, right? Yeah. But that's also your masks that mm-hmm. you put up sure. to society because if you don't look tough or, or stay strong in, in front of you know life and, sure. and what's coming at you it's that goes back to that old saying eat or be eaten yeah. right and that's what happens and but inside mm-hmm. i think people that you know like people that are living on the streets especially my heart like anybody's suffering yeah but i have a close connection to that because i live that and like i said the progression of that like I never had that problem until all of a sudden everything was gone. Yeah. And that was years and years and years and years of that building to that momentum. You know, never think that it can't happen to you. (laughs) You know, you can be in the most amazing place of your life, but just never, never, never think that that can't happen to you because I've seen, I've seen doctors, lawyers, I've seen, Dentists, like, I mean, it's all walks of life. Absolutely, it is. That suffering, that pain, it doesn't matter where you come from. That stuff, that stuff is the stuff that if we don't teach each other how to get out of Mm -hmm. and we don't help each other grow through and support or at least help try to guide each other, you know, um, that, that, that's what kills us. Yeah. When this, you know, I'm so glad you circled back to that piece you just talked about, right? That guidance, that support is the big piece. And it takes me back to that earlier part of this conversation where you talked about the three individuals, the other two that we won't mention their names. But mm. when we first 
got connected with you, right? And you talked about how, you know, it has nothing to do with ego and it, what it is, is that, that peace around support. Like I know how valuable that was early in my recovery. Somebody oh my supporting me Jeez. without Absolutely. any expectations. I don't have to give them anything. They don't want anything. They just want to help me out of that dark spot. That was weird. It, that was weird. Isn't it? Right? Cause you just, yeah. That along with the fact that they're not going to do the work for me or fix it for me. That was new to me too. I'm like, what do you mean you can't fix this for me? Yeah. Yeah. And then the manipulation part of yourself that you have accustomed yourself to. For you, sure. They're not allowing that. One to take a hundred percent. That's called boundaries. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Never knew what those were. Get those off me. Yeah. <laughs> but to understand, you know, it's a process and it took a couple, three years to start figuring this out and doing the work you talk about. Right. But I didn't have to do it alone. Nobody was doing it for me but there was somebody there to support me through it and help me with yeah hopefully you know to avoid some of those big pitfalls and but I could still land them if I wanted to they weren't going to stop me they were going to say hey if you keep doing this this is a possibility because I've seen it happen to six other people right and to have these support groups and to have these people in my life which was a very small circle of support but it was people who had been through it and then when you talk about meeting the three of us here I think and I can't speak for the other two which I do kind of think that's what they're about as well, but yeah. it was just about knowing how, how alone that is, how dark that spot is and how much easier it is if you have the right supports. Isn't that let's the just truth? Help. Let's you, just help people. You know, I, it's funny that you're saying this because as you're talking about this, I mean, and I was listening, but part of my brain, it just it went, it diverted over to like, <clears throat> how do I explain it? Um, I know for a lot of years, I was very angry at everything and, and the way my life went. And uh, I I was, I projected and I blamed people for everything mm -hmm. that went. I never once looked at myself because I didn't know that I should do that. No, me neither. And that's nobody's fault. <clears throat> but, you know, for anybody that's listening that has or is going through that part, the best thing you can do is... Um, See it from their 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 point of view. See it from how they were raised. See it from where they're you know their so per se example parenting. Mm -hmm. You know I I have a very estranged relationship with my mom, but you know the reality of it is is that I'm trying to work on that mm -hmm. on a daily basis, and I I'm, I'm now in and of a matter of an acceptance for things the way they are. And I didn't have a clue what that meant. And, you know, it, it probably won't resonate with a lot of people that are still struggling with that at this moment. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I can say is that once I accepted the fact that she did the best she could do for what she was taught, mm -hmm. That was the beginning of learning how to um, let go, mm -hmm. uh, learning how to accept things for what they are, and learning how to forgive. Yeah, you know, and you know that touches on that other subject. I think we, once we start going through this process of changing things in our lives, we never think about forgiving ourselves. Yeah, and I don't know how many people, but I knew I know for myself. This year is the first time that I finally forgave myself for everything that I've been a part of or what part I played right. in. And I didn't even realize that. 
it just kind of, it's like those aha moments. Mm -hmm. Just here you go. You know, you're ready now. Like, you know, that's my higher power saying, I'm giving this gift to you. You, Okay, you've done the work. You know, and that, I guess, goosebumps because if we work on ourselves and we devote, which, you know, right there, that the word devote, I never devoted I never followed through for anything for myself. I was always giving, 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 and then getting mad because, you know, I had expectations. That's another conversation right there. (laughs) But, but, you know, once I recognized and realized that, you know, hey, wait a minute. If I'm working hard on this and I'm doing the next right thing and I'm trying to be a better human being, I can't change this overnight. This is going to take time. But, you know, there's, there's that saying, you know, yeah, all you can do is be a better version of what you were yesterday. Yeah. And I emphasize that. And I'm not even going to, people know what I'm talking about. For sure. But I can tell you this. I do know that once I started putting work in and I started making the effort, there was an abundance of support. Because mm-hmm. it goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier in, in this conversation that... I have to be the one that's willing to do the work. Yeah. And if I'm doing the work and I'm taking suggestions and I'm trying to be a better human being in my life, I mean, what better, what more can you ask for? And for sure. you know, it's something as simple as just waking up and just asking to have a better, you know, opportunity to see things for what they are. Yeah. I we, I never thought this way, Ryan. No. That was I, I mean, foreign to I, me. I, I, I controlled everything. I knew everything, man. You right? couldn't tell me anything because I already knew it. Yeah, right. Once you trained me on something, if I got it down and mastered it, next, yeah. I didn't need you. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't later. realize that's the kind of person I was. Mm-hmm. I always thought I was a really good human being. I mean, I knew I had a good heart, but man, did I ever like, you know, I treated people very poorly. Yeah. You know, and I think that when you go throughout your life like that, that builds and builds and builds, and, you, and you're not even aware of it. And then so it, it goes back to like when we were talking earlier about, you know, these behaviors and, and, and stuff, they happen way before because totally. it's a compound, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden you can't cope with your emotions. And so you reach out to and other things. It's like, oh, I found my heaven. Yeah. And then before you know it, you're flat out on your ass and you're For like sure. going, what happened? Yeah. How do you start? it's so true and we talk about that a lot and especially now this last year or so doing all the research we've done and and moving over uh shifting a focus to resilience and where does that come from and you know you're not we talk about this lots we're not born with resilience it's something it's a skill it's a tool that you build through life Mm. right and you start going through these adverse experiences like you have like i have like most listeners have right what are we learning as we go through those that we can take with us to make the next experience a little bit easier? And that's resilience, right? If we're taking these new skills and abilities that we're learning by navigating these hardships, because we're all going to face them, they don't just go away ever. And, uh, but we are learning. And if we're taking that moment in the present time to, to focus on what has this taught me and what can I take forward with me? Right. We leave the shit behind, leave the garbage behind. Let's take the learning Let's take the lesson. Let's take the blessing and move on to the next piece. And that's how you build resilience. And I look across this table today and I see one of the most resilient people I've ever met in my life because to know where you came from and the struggles that you went through to get to sitting in that chair three plus years in recovery is, I get goosebumps thinking about that. 
I uh, I don't even know what to say to that. I, I just know, like, you know, like, I'm in a really good place today. And, you know, now when I do have problems and life throws curveballs at me, some of them are a little, you know, they're difficult, but... I know, I know I have a lot of tools that mm. I never had before. And, you know, that's not my parents' fault. That's not my family's for sure. fault. You know, I, and for years, you know, again, it goes back to, you know, like that blame game shit. But I have learned everything that I'm talking about through others, through their, you know, experience, through their stories, through their messages, um, through taking the time to you know, surround myself with people that, you know, like, that are like-minded. More than anything, you know, one of the things that um, I've learned, you know, through just this journey so far is that um, I know now that I had to go through absolutely everything that I went through in order to get to where I am today. And, you know, if there's anybody that, you know, is listening at this moment, the one thing, you know, I never listened to, oh my God, I think none of us listen to, you know, when you have those people around you with the wisdom that tell you, you know, you might want, and it's the suggestions, Mm -hmm. you know, like, hey, you might want to, you know, think about this or thing, but we as young adults, or individuals that maybe don't have that support, we think we know everything. Oh, for sure. This is the thing that I think that, you know, I wish I could have taken the time, like the shoulda, coulda, wishes, they don't matter. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is that there is always going to be a few people in your life that are going to say impactful things. And I know throughout my journey, I was always like a loner. That is a scary place for a lot of us because um, we're already isolating and we don't even know it. But that is where, if there's anything that I can really throw out there, whoever is in this situation of like, you know, the struggle is real, reach out. Yeah, That is the hardest thing that I had to do. It was it was the hardest thing because I just had no ability to trust. Yeah. And had I not had the individuals around me in the beginning of my recovery, I would never learn that tool. It, it's huge. You know, today our society is dealing with, uh, I'm not even going to say pandemic because it's worse than that. But one thing that, really saddens me is these kids they're children man and our society is just like pushing them off the side like it's not our problem mm-hmm. it's in your backyard yeah now i get the fear <clears throat> but the reality of it is is that we need to start building our community like with you know like bringing to attention mm-hmm. like you know maybe show a little bit more kindness more compassion know maybe you know like most most of them aren't approachable yeah. i know i sure wasn't because I, I felt i felt judged yeah and and that that hate on the attitude and their bad attitudes and mm-hmm. you know flipping the bird or whatever you want to call it they're they're scared of you yeah because they feel judged by by all of us i mean i just talked to you about this the other day yeah 
uh, you know, uh, I'm sitting there in Calgary, walking down the street, and Calgary was a trauma city for me. There's not one place I wasn't in Calgary that I didn't sleep under, sleep in. You know, like it just, it, I couldn't go down one block and turn left or right without being traumed out because mm-hmm. there's so much bad stuff that happened to me in that city. Yeah. And today, I, I can, I can finally walk free. You know, but I know that, like I was talking to you about this the other day. I was walking down the street and I'm observing people and I was a little too observant, but I was freaked out, but it wasn't freaked out like in the way most people would think. I was observing them because I was looking at myself. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't know if I can swear in here, but I was like, holy fuck. Wow. Like I was just like, wow. You know? And if that doesn't impact a person. Yeah. Like, and and you know, the, the worst part is, is I can't, do anything to help them. Mm-hmm. All I can do is smile or say hi or give them a cigarette or, you know, if I have a Coke or whatever, you know, and I find that's my way of giving them that, 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 that planting that seed. Yeah. I don't see that people walk by people and they just don't give a shit because they're sure. tired of it. Oh my God. But you sleep in a bed, you have a car, you have this, you have that, but you don't, you know, like, come on, man. Like, mm-hmm. and that, right there tells me that our society needs to change. Absolutely. The love that you show just by a gesture, that person might, it might not affect them right then, Mm -hmm. but when they're in a really, really bad place, they'll remember those things. I think that's a, that's an amazing statement because I've experienced it myself by working with others. Right. And Mm -hmm. some individuals, you take the time to see them and actually listen to them. And then I might not see them. And this has happened. I, I might not see them for two or three years. And then I cross paths with them again. They're like, oh, shit, there's that guy. So they come and talk to me. And they're like, I remember you told me this three years ago. And in that moment, I didn't really remember saying that to them. You know, to this day, I still do drop-ins for key people that, you know, they were on the sidelines rooting for me, mm-hmm. watching me in my full-blown addiction. And they were sitting on the sidelines. And, you know, most of them are in Calgary, but I still drop in every once in a while. And it's usually like every, like, well, lately it's been like, first it was like three months, six months, nine months. And, you know, just recently I did kind of like a little uh, roundabout, you know, to show them all that patience and all that tolerance and all the shit that they put up with me. Look at what's happening now. And that's my way of paying homage to, yeah. like, you know, telling them, thank you for never giving up on me, you know, and mm-hmm. it didn't happen right away. It never does. And I think, you know, society has these expectations that just clean it up and get it yep. over and why can't they quit? It's so complex. For sure. Like, I mean, if we could just quit, we wouldn't have this situation. Totally. You and I wouldn't It doesn't work that. that way. Like, it's, it's, it is a sickness yeah. and it is... You know, there is no willpower. And, you know, one thing that I know is all I did was feed the need. I didn't care about anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, I I, I am not tooting my own horn here. Most of us, we we check her on a a dark fence. And if we tip over, we go dark and we don't come back. That's where you get the really heavy-duty shit that comes out of the addiction. Mm -hmm. But, you know... There are some of us that we don't go down that road and we become weaker and weaker and weaker. But 
it just this is um something that hits home to me it's really close to me and it doesn't matter how much i'm away from it i do know that eventually some way down the road i will definitely be more involved i just don't know where god has positioned me and For what sure. he wants me to do but i know that um it hurts me to see this stuff yeah it does oh wow I think if people out there, you know, the, the listeners that are still out there thinking like you alluded to, right? Why don't, when they see individuals struggling with addiction or the destitute homeless population or whatever that is, right? It's, it's not a matter of choice at that time for a lot of individuals. And, and to just say, why don't you quit or go get a job or this or that, right? It's probably one of the, the most ignorant things I've ever heard people say to somebody, right? And I didn't used to think that way until I went through it. And I'm like, exactly what you said, right? Oh, thanks. Why didn't I just think of that myself? I should just quit today. Yeah. But right? it's it not a matter out. of, and, and anyone who's listening to your story and a lot of the stories we've had on here, you're three plus years in recovery now. And to look at the journey and the work and the process of where you're at today, that's taken three and a half years. It's not a matter of today I'm done. Yeah. Right. That's where the, the mind shift starts, but then it's a, it's a lot of work to get to where you're at today. And, and I think you've laid it out beautifully of, you know, the change that you went through and how hard it was, but you did it right. You had support, but if you wouldn't have been open-minded and willing to, to take suggestions and try some new things and, and all these tools that came your way, there's not a whole lot of change that happens. You did the work. Well, you know, with that being said, I can tell you this, I wouldn't change my life today for one day of my worst day. Mm -hmm. I never understood that. I, I can say that I do now. Yeah, me too. And nobody wants to live like that. <clears throat> nobody wants to live like that. Ooh, I got goosebumps from that. Yeah, you got yours from mine. <laughs> so. Well, I think that's probably a real good spot to start wrapping up this week's episode with Shay here. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing, you know, your, your, experience and your your knowledge around this and your time with us because that's the one thing I've noticed in life now that I'm in recovery is that uh, time is probably the most valuable thing I have left mm -hmm. in this world right and then you know family and loved ones but it's not about money it's not about all these other things it's about time and when someone takes some time to you know in their journey in their day to share with our listeners and come sit in here with me and talk I'm so grateful because I know you spoke about this earlier, that ripple effect, right? There's somebody out there who's going to hear this story today mm. that it potentially could change their life, right? And that light bulb will come on. And if this lady can do it, so can I. You know, I, uh, I'm honored. Like, I'm honored. You know, it just, like we said earlier, um, we just didn't connect, didn't connect. But I, I understand why. Mm -hmm. I truly believe God didn't see me as ready. Yeah. And if there's the last thing I can leave with anyone, um, there is, there is, there is hope. There is a better life. Mm. Um, nobody wants to be in that. And I, I'm tearing up because I, I just, I get emotional when I really think about my last days living on the street in the river. It was horrible. I, 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 if, if I could save everybody from living that experience, um, my heart breaks. It's broken when I see that stuff, but you know, I, I do know that, you know, if, if just don't give up, 
Don't give up. Don't give up. There, There is hope. And uh, there's lots of people out there that do care and love you. Wow. That is um, pretty powerful stuff, Shay. And... Uh, I can't, uh, I can't state it enough. I'm so grateful that we've crossed paths and that uh, I've learned a lot from you. You know, Ryan, I love you as a friend. (laughs) You're the best. You know, you did so much more than you'll ever realize. Yeah, it's just, yeah. And it doesn't matter if we talk once a day, once a month, once a year. Um, That's a kind of friend I have now. Mm -hmm. We just pick up where we left off. Absolutely. Because I know you're always there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that, I'm going to have to refill. Dave, we need another box of Kleenex in here. We've used <laughs> quite a few today. <laughs> um, yeah. With that, once again, thank you very much, Shay. Um, I will wrap this up. I just want to thank all the listeners once again for tuning in. I mean, without you, it's just us sitting here paying Dave to air this to nobody. <laughs> so we really appreciate everything that... Uh, all the feedback that the listeners send us, please send some. We I read some really good stuff the other day. You know, an individual who listened to one of our podcasts is actually putting some stuff into into their toolkit into practice. And oh man, I, feedback like that makes it worthwhile, right? It, it validates what we're doing here. We don't do this just so that you know we come on the air and well, I'm a podcast host. Who gives a shit? It's about helping people. And when people let us know that that something resonated with them. You know, that gives us the drive to keep doing what we're doing. Um, and in saying that, you know, we are a nonprofit through our collective journey. And one of those things I always hate doing is having our hand out. But, you know, we do operate on donations and, and funding opportunities and whatnot. So if anybody out there is listening and wants to help support either the podcast um, or our recovery coach program, our resiliency coach program and community here in Alberta, you know, head over to our website, ourcollectivejourney.ca, hit the donate button, anything, a dollar is, we're grateful for anything that anybody out there wants to help us out with. So mm. um, with that, I will wrap this week up and I look forward to uh, checking in with everybody next week. So thanks for tuning in to From Darkness to Life and uh, the end. Thanks for having me. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the real stories of people who've triumphed over the many challenges of life's journey. If you or a loved one needs support, please reach out to ourcollectivejourney.ca. Our commitment is to empower you to build resilience as you journey towards recovery. Consider showing your support by donating online at ourcollectivejourney.ca. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pate. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. 